Welcome to Who Wrote That Up For You, a daily podcast that shines a light on the American justice system and its role in empowering the powerful to take from you. The justice system is the only branch of your government where an individual, rather than the collective, can make the system act for you. It puts power in the individual's hands, but it's broken and being used against you at a time when you need it most. And we are live on Who Wrote That Up For You? Today is Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. I'm Sonia Ebron, a co-founder at Courtroom 5. And I'm Deborah Sloan, the other co-founder at Courtroom 5. Delightful show lined up for you today. In a few moments, we will speak with Samuel Tate, uh, the founder of Tango Legal, uh, the developer of conversational AI for uh, courts and for law firms. Before we get there, Deborah, uh, what is on your mind today? What's our issue of the day? My issue of the day, which is a real issue for me, is uh, HOAs or homeowners associations. And uh, for one thing, I know there's a good reason to have a homeowners association. You basically don't want your neighbor um, uh, coloring, painting their house purple or putting up, um, you know, bars on the doors and windows and everything. But to, to me, that's where it kind of stops because your HOA, you're, you're in a contract with all of your neighbors to basically punish all of your neighbors for doing the things that some of your neighbors might want to do. And they charge you for that. Some people, I mean, they pay upwards of $100, $150 a month to be part of an HOA that will come and find them if they, for example, put a put out a, a, a plastic Santa Claus, you know. And so, to me, <laughs> and what, what's worse is that the, your HOA can sue you, your HOA can take your house, you know. So I'm not sure that, uh, and there's so many HOAs being. Uh, are continuing to be developed. And I'm not sure that's the best way to go because for a lot of people uh, in, in a lot of cities, uh, counties, there are a lot of HOAs and that limits the choice if you don't want to be part of an HOA. So that's my issue for the day. Oh, I, <laughs> it's like just a tiny little pushback. I mean, I, um, I mean, I think it is we want to allow people to enter these kinds of contracts. It is voluntary. You know, if you don't want to be part of a community that's governed by an HOA, you don't have to. Don't buy the house. You know, don't join the don't join the neighborhood. I think I I like it when, you know, I don't have to go and tell my neighbor to mow their lawn or, you know, color the house, something other than purple, right? Uh, you know, home values are affected by, unless you live on an island, home violent, home, home values are, are, are governed by what your neighbors do. You know, if, if my neighbor's beating his wife and the cops are coming every other day, you know, that's public information. It looks like a bad neighborhood, right? I don't, you know, I, I want there to be somebody other than me, um, 
to mm-hmm. say to my neighbor, look, you can't, we can't have this going on here. Uh, we have to have some, maintain some standards uh, in the neighborhood. But that, that's, you know, it's not for everybody, as you say. Um, and again, it's voluntary. It, you know, you are part of an HOA when you buy the house. Uh, if you don't want to want to do that, don't don't buy the house. There are lots of houses available uh, mm. out here. So it's a, just 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 a little 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 pushback. It's <laughs> it's um it's, it's not for everybody. But I appreciate you raising that issue. People do need to be aware, you know, that you're entering a contract um, with your neighborhood uh, when you buy a property that's governed by an HOA. So important important to note. Well, Who Wrote That Up For You uh, is sponsored by Courtroom 5. At Courtroom 5, we believe the courts belong to the people, in particular to the people who use them. And we the people are coming to claim our courts. So if you are in court without a lawyer or you need to sue someone and can't find a lawyer to represent you, get yourself over to courtroom5.com. Try a limited version of our services for free, and we hope to provide some relief for you there. At this time, it is my great pleasure to welcome onto the show Samuel Tate uh, at Tango Legal. Sam, it's great to see you. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to see you, Sonia and Deborah. Thank you for having me. Sam and, I, and Deborah and I go back to uh, what was it, Lexus Nexus Accelerator? Way back, Duke. You got you got you got to throw Duke in there. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Duke, Duke. That's right. <laughs> exactly. The Duke Law Tech Lab. Exactly. Yep. We go back a ways, and so we've seen your growth and development o- over the years. Uh, take us back, Sam. What's your What's your background? What got you into developing Tango Legal? Yeah, for sure. Great question. So. Um, let's go all the way back to 2013. Um, I, I used to work for the court system um, back in the day, not too far ago. But um, in, in the role that I worked there, I was in charge of managing the public and the internal websites. Um, we supported the thousands of judicial branch employees, but we also handled requests that would come in from literally thousands of people per week um, who had questions about their court case. Maybe they had uh, a legal issue and they didn't know where to go. Um, and, you know, I worked in communications and, and in, the, in the judicial branch, that's kind of a unique organization because it is public facing. So many folks are so internal, they kind of support the internal teams. Um, but communications, the clerks of court, kind of magistrates, things of that nature. They're boots on the ground and they're public facing. They interact with people. So I was kind of in that role. And it was interesting um, for me as a court employee just to see how many people needed help uh, when they had a legal issue or a court issue. Um, how many people just didn't know what to do is almost like paralysis analysis. They would just freeze up. And how many people expected that the courts, or at least somebody on the other end of, of that web form email, could help them out and, and point them in the right direction. Um, and we were kind of limited in what we could what we could provide. You know, of course, we couldn't provide legal advice. We couldn't say, "Hey, go talk to this attorney." And you know, that really started to make me start to to think like the market is really missing. Um, you know. Uh, legal consumers need more help. You know, I'll just put it, you know, point blank, just average people just need more help. It doesn't have to necessarily mean that they need help with the crime and they need to find a a criminal attorney or a PI attorney. It could be something as simple as, you know, where do I park when I have to go to court? Or, you know, you call it jury service, I call it jury duty. What's the difference between the two, right? 
um, things of that nature. That kind of sparked my curiosity in trying to figure out a solution to help people as they interacted with court in the legal space. But ultimately, that evolved into the broader government space, which is what we do now with Tango Technology. Um, but one thing, this is a podcast, so I do like to, you know, just go out there. We'll, we'll, I want to bring this up and I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, but one thing that kind of, I would say, motivated me, uh, especially to not just build a company that serves the public, you know, and helps people interact with, with the courts or with, uh, with government organizations. But one thing that, that really drew my interest was just the thoughts on how systems work as a whole. And we always hear people talk about it's the judicial system or it's the legal system or the criminal system. And that's almost just like a, a term that somebody throws out there. But I think, you know, part of the solution that we're all trying to provide in this, whether it be justice tech or legal tech or anything that's actually helping people, you know, find justice and, 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 and get help out there. I think understanding how systems work, um, understanding what changes systems, um, understanding what can influence systems, um, I think it it will be helpful. And I, I literally, like I went, I went down a rabbit hole one day on systems theory and how systems work and inputs and outputs. And I said, oh my gosh, this is, this is the courts. Like, this is how the courts work. And, uh, and it just kind of, that was my aha moment. And, and to this day, I still keep that philosophy, um, not just with you know, any work with the court systems, but, you know, in with work that we do with other, um, you know, public sector agencies. And so going down that rabbit hole, um, you landed on conversational AI or artificial intelligence as something that could maybe solve the problem you you identified uh, with trying to provide some information to people dealing with uh, with courts. What is conversational AI? Um, how does it work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the highest level, conversational AI is just a, um, it's a, it's a, it is a framework that is used um, where you can write an algorithm or you can write code that can interpret a request that's coming from a user, whether it be from their voice, you know, through a microphone, uh, through a chatbot, um, anything like that, through a text message. Um, you can pretty much understand we call it NLP or nat- or natural language product processing, but you can basically interpret what the user means, find out what their intention is, and match it with an answer. So, you know, from our perspective, it's a modern day search query, right? You know, you, you, someone has a question, you look it up in a database and you pass that back to them in an answer. But the, the, the hard part is truly understanding what their key intention is. And that's what the AI can do in there. And, and when you think about in the legal space or government, I mean, it's so broad. It's such a, you know, different laws. There's different rules in different counties. Um, it depends on where you are. It depends on what time of the day. It's just so hard. You can use AI to kind of pinpoint and narrow down what someone is actually requesting and pass along the correct information to them. So that's like the, that's the, the, the cliff notes, you know, the, the, the high level uh, explainer of what conversational AI is. Um, for us, we are a, we call ourselves a solutions provider. So we do design, development, uh, maintenance, we do support, um, anything that has to do with 
you know, these types of frameworks, whether it be, again, a chatbot, uh, IVR, which is interactive voice response system. We've all used those. Um, text messaging, SMS, AI, anything that's an automated conversation. That's what we do. Um, and we do it majority primarily with, with public sector agencies these days. That is, it, it's so necessary. You know, when I think about somebody needing to interact with the courts, um, you know, where to mm-hmm. park, uh, if you have to go to, to, to court is one thing. Obviously, there are a range of questions that people would have to would have to ask. And so any of that load that you could take off the in, the the actual people, the clerk's office uh, and so forth, you know, is, is a benefit to everybody. How would it work then? If I am I'm, I'm on the web, I'm searching on Google, right? Where to park when I go to the courthouse? Um, how does this um, How does th- this AI help me help to answer my questions? Yeah. So in that example, what we do is we work closely with um, whether it be like for this example, we'll say a, a courthouse, um, and we would uh, you know tack on to their Google profile or information that they have on Google. And we have the ability to launch a chat bot, chat bot, essentially a function directly from a Google search result. So if you were to say, you know, so-and-so county courthouse, um, a Tango search would actually, or a Tango chat rather, would actually accompany a search result um, for the courthouse that you searched. From there, a user can click that and then they can begin to engage to ask their their questions. So, um, you know, whether they say, you know, hey, you know, what time does the courthouse open? You know, it's bad weather. Are there any closures that are occurring? Um, you know, where I need to go for X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah, I need to find my court date. How do I find that? Um, they can engage directly from Google. Um, I will say it was it was interesting because when we did do a we did a pilot with the county and we did no no marketing of this. We literally just quietly turned it on um, because we really wanted to see data and see if people use this and see if there was a high demand. And within two weeks, um, our chat actually had served over 4,000 requests coming in and phone call volume coming into the courthouse actually dropped and dropped by like 32%. Um, so it was really, really fascinating. And it's something as simple as just answering information that people just can't find. This isn't this isn't secret information. This isn't legal advice. It's nothing like that. People are just saying, you know, hey, where do I go for court or how can I do this or who, who do I need to talk to or where do I need to go? Think of it kind of like, you know, when you go to the airport, there's there's the terminal screens. Right. And it says this is where your baggage is. This is where, you, you know, this is. This flight was delayed. The courts have that. And, you know, we see ourselves as kind of one of those uh, helpers and you know, one of those solution providers that can use something like chat. But you can also expand it into IVRs. You can expand it into text. Any way that people communicate, we can actually help shift that workload off the clerks of court and the staff who are already understaffed. They're overwhelmed. They have backlog and actually help the public find the answers and the solutions that they're looking for. 
That is extraordinary, Sam. Congratulations on on that uh, as well. You know, and I'm thinking about the potential for uh, these overstretched um, court budgets to really, you know, remove some of those expenses. Dropping calls by 30 percent really frees up, you know, the clerks themselves uh, and and the budget uh, to be able to, to to serve people in other ways. That's fantastic uh, application for courts. How would a law firm uh, put this same technology to work? Yeah, yeah. Great question. So with a law firm, you could actually do the same thing. It just depends on what the intake process is for law firms. So um, what we've seen in the market, it varies because you have the solo practitioners, you've got the mid-sized law firms, and then you've got the giant corporate law firms. And each group, so to say, has their own dedicated resource and their own way of how they handle, whether it be communicating with new leads, um, communicating with public, kind of parsing out case information, so to say, or at least inquiry information to determine whether or not to take it on. So from the lawyer perspective, um, we did, we did, it was an interesting kind of request that we had, but we kind of ran a sentiment analysis um, that you can run with, with AI. And we tied that to the uh, contact us form um, that the lawyer had on their website. So whenever someone would actually type in a, a, a request, A, you could find out you know, the sentiment, uh, kind of the core sentiment behind their inquiry, what they were looking for and the services that they need from an attorney. But then we could also add in some categorizing and tagging to say this request should be bucketed under a civil case. This request is a family request. Therefore, you could parse it out and send it directly to um, the appropriate legal counsel or the appropriate attorney to actually communicate back with these people. So it's all about saving time. Um, and I think you know it's interesting. One interesting thing that I've learned, especially again going back to the legal consumer market, a lot of people like you don't go to court every day. You don't have a legal issue every day. So you don't know the verb. You know, I'm preaching. You, you know this. I, I'm preaching to the choir, to the experts. Like, like, it's really, really hard when you get faced with a legal situation and someone's threatening to tear apart your family, take your kids away, right? And you don't know where to start. You don't even know what to Google. You don't know what to search. And a lot of times people just start putting in, you know, searches in Google and and asking away. And and it's very, very frustrating. And I think, you know, for lawyers, they could leverage conversational AI to help kind of bridge the gap between the legal mind and the consumer mind, right? Kind of connect the dots, so to say. Um, and that's, that's just kind of one example where it kind of shifts. The, the request is different. The need is different. Um, but, you know, as I said, with, with our focus with Tango, we've kind of shifted away from kind of that, that, that lawyer model. Um, not because, you know, lawyers can't leverage conversational AI. I just have a personal uh, belief and a personal uh, desire to kind of I want, I want to help the people on the outside. You know, I don't, I don't want to help somebody, you know, bill somebody uh, more efficiently, you know, a thousand dollars an hour. I want to I want to help the single mom, you know, who who is going through a domestic violence dispute or, you know, somebody who just lost their parent and now they have to probate a will and they don't know where to start. You know, that's 
that's what I want to do. That's what my co-founder Mike likes to do. So that's where we're going. I love it. I love it. You know, if you can do this for courts and for law firms uh, and, and serve consumers directly, it seems to me there are a lot of other applications for technology and implementation of uh, services like yours. What are some of the other uh, opportunities you have? What are some of the other markets you're looking at uh, to yeah. serve this technology? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I would say our core bread and butter model, it is kind of the chat. Um, we've mastered that. We tailored it specifically to the public sector. There's a whole lot of hoops that you have to jump through um, for, you know, whether it be FedRAMP or things like that when you're, you're handling and working with state and federal governments. Um, with that, though, you know, anywhere that there is a backlog, a long line of people out the door. So you can think about DMVs. You can think about financial aid uh, 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 organizations for higher ed. Um, even in healthcare, we've had some discussions there um, where people are asking the same questions. They're kind of doing the same thing, uh, but they're doing it in a fashion that's, you know, 2005. You know, they're picking up the phone and they're calling, and that involves a body, and you got to pay that person. And maybe that person caught COVID and they're out sick today. So we need an automated approach. And then, you know, I I, I don't know if you're like me, but I hate when I'm talking to an automated system, I have a little country twang, so it may not understand what I say every single time. Like that drives me insane. And uh, we've invested heavily, knowing that we better because we're working with the public sector. You have people with different accents, you have people with different backgrounds, you have people who, who speak different languages. We kind of bake that into our systems so that we can provide accurate information, but also understand what they're, they're asking as quick as possible and pass that back along to them. So um, that's kind of the, the game plan. I think 2023, it's going to be a good year for us. We're excited. Um, and we're, we're working with, with a couple of other organizations right now. So, you know, stay tuned. We look forward to roll it out and, you know, quietly, quietly we're, we're, we're doing things, but uh, I'm excited. It's, it's been a fun journey and been, been cool. Fantastic. Sam, thank you so much for, for sharing that, for building it, um, for making it available uh, to legal consumers for sure. Uh, wish you the best of luck. We will we will follow your path, continue to follow your path. I'm going to share uh, TangoLegal.com uh, with our viewers here. Where else can people find you online? Sure. Um, you can check us out for the public sector at TangoTechnology.io. Um, you can follow us online on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, whatever your channel is uh, for Tango Legal, it's at Tango Legal. And then for Tango Technology, again, for the public sector, that's uh, at Talk to Tango. Um, and you'll, you'll see me retweeting stuff. So I'm out there as well. So um, yeah, hit, hit us up. Um, and again, I just want to say quickly that I, I love Courtroom 5. I'm, I'm a huge fan and I love the work. You know, I've, I've, I've been around with y'all for for a while, you know. I've been we've been doing a lot of the same stuff, so I'm really, really, really proud of you too. And and you know, just keep up the good fight. I I I love it. I love your work. Thank you so much, Sam. You know, we love you and your work as well. You keep grinding. And we'll be in touch soon. Likewise. Thanks so much. Thank you. Fantastic. Uh, Fantastic. Yes, that's great. Well, Deborah, what? Who won yesterday's quiz? And what do you have lined up for us today? Uh, yesterday's quiz. In the lawsuit Kelsey filed against Dr. Fig Newton for medical malpractice, 
The case has been set for trial. At trial, who has the burden of proof? And the answer is Kelsey. It's not the judge. It's not the lawyer on the other side. It is Kelsey because Kelsey is the plaintiff. The winner is Carl F. Congratulations to Carl there. All right. And today's quiz, which principle of law says that an amendment to a pleading will be treated as though it were filed at the time the original pleading was filed? Is it statute of limitations, discovery rule, star decisis, or relation back? Which principle of law says that an amendment to a pleading will be treated as though it were filed at the time the original pleading was filed. If you want to participate in today's quiz, send your responses to quiz at courtroom5.com. Oh, looking forward to seeing uh, some winners there. That is fantastic. Good, good, good. You know, uh, just great. Uh, uh, Sam reminded me uh, we had met him back at Duke Law Tech Lab. It's been, uh, what is it, uh, three years now, I believe it is, uh, and some. It's just so happy to see the tremendous growth there uh, and the development of, of his applications. Uh, so wishing Sam continued um, uh, growth. That's fantastic. Well, that's all we have uh, for you today. Thanks, as always, for uh, joining us on Who Wrote That Up For You. Again, a reminder to our viewers, Deborah and I will take a few weeks off uh, at the end of this week. We'll be back on December 12th. Uh, don't, don't forget, we've got a couple more days in the week, a couple more episodes here to share with you. But um, after the episode number 50 on Friday, we're going to take three weeks off uh, and uh, come back for season two on December 12th. But uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate you all, and we will see you tomorrow. Are you feeling beleaguered, angry, or afraid? As if things are spinning out of control and you're powerless to stop them? It's easy to just let things slide and hope they don't get worse. But they often do get worse. The thing is, you're not powerless. Our courts belong to us, and their purpose is to give power to the powerless. Don't let your grievances pile up without redressing them. You can handle this in court, or if someone takes you to court, you can take them to school.